Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Infinity Watchers. We are here, ready to talk about all things Marvel, cinematic, and multiverses. Jared, we are we are here. We're ready to discuss another great week in the MCM. Yes. Oh, yeah. It I guess it would be the MCM now. I think we should. <laughs> I think we should get this started and just get out ahead of the studio itself. Let's start calling it the Marvel Cinematic Multiverse. It pretty I like much that. is. It I pretty like much that. is. Yeah, thanks for thanks for joining us this week for our spoiler review and kind of review of the whole season of Loki. Yeah. Um, you know, we're talking about the um what we know now to be the season one finale, not the series finale. Um, so we'll be we'll be talking about that and we do have some some other news of the week to get to as well. Um, but I guess before that, Jared, how how has your week been going? Uh, it's been going well. Um, this was the first weekend that I've, I'm going to have both days off in a row for in a in a while. So running around, getting a lot of stuff done. Um, today was the second of two record store days of the year. I just picked up a massive haul of stuff this morning. Nice uh, for my collection, and I went out and bought a shelf because the two bins that I have underneath my record player don't have enough space anymore uh so i'm gonna work on putting that together tomorrow and uh watch the new space jam this weekend that uh that was a waste of two hours (laughs) uh it it's it's currently sitting at a a 4.2 in imdb and i would i would put it lower um ouch (laughs) um yeah speaking of multiverses i'm i'm shocked we live in a timeline where that exists I, i I don't know why I sat and watched that whole thing. And, <laughs> and I, I'm not going to be one of those people that says, well, it's just a kid's movie. It, it shouldn't mean anything. You know, End of the Spider-Verse exists. That's technically yeah. a kid's movie. So right. this does not get a pass. I don't yeah. care. This was just a two-hour commercial for LeBron James's brand and for HBO Max. Like, there's there's no other way around it. Granted, Don Cheadle was in it, and you—he—he's the villain in it. Uh, he's having as much fun as he can with the role, mm-hmm. but like the rest of it, I just—I like, why am I watching this? Yeah, the the <laughs> clips I saw of the like Porky Pig rap battle. Oh my god, um, that was so bad. And then the the granny doing the Matrix. <sighs> um, they don't let up on that either. Yeah. That's a running gag. Oh no, I don't. I don't. I, just, I don't understand. Like why? And I. I even went back and watched the first Space Jam a few weeks ago, and it's not even good. I hate to say yeah, it, guys. I mean, it, it's it's nostalgic for people our age, but like when you go and watch it now, it's not good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, I mean, there's always that level of like corniness. There was, but the only thing I can. I, the only thing I can see going for it is when that one came out, there was a renaissance of Looney Tunes and Warner Brothers Media at the time. Yeah. I just have to question, like, who is this Who is this new Space Jam for? Because from what I understand, Looney Tunes isn't popular with the kids anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, you and I were part of the generation that grew up on, on that movie and with some of those older some of or all the older looney tunes i should say mm-hmm. but like why was this made it doesn't it's not going to appeal to us and it's not going to appeal to kids 
and people who watch it are going to understand it's just a commercial for what is all on HBO Max. They they don't let up with the the, the massive basketball game that takes up literally the last hour of it. Really, they don't let up and on what's in the background. Like I couldn't even focus on the actual like game on the court because they put so many Easter eggs in the background and they're all just like knock off <laughs> Warner Brothers characters. Like there's a Danny DeVito penguin from uh <laughs> from uh Batman Returns and it doesn't even look like him. There's a there's a like a cheap dollar store version of Mr. Freeze from Batman and Robin standing right next to him. Oh boy. Um there were the flying monkeys from the wizard of Oz dancing with some of the Jane members from a clockwork orange. Like none what? of this made sense. I, I I'm not making this up. It just, I couldn't believe what I was watching and it just, it felt like a re and I don't like ready player one, but it felt like a really bad version of ready player one. Ugh. <laughs> and I mean, ready player player one is Warner brothers as well, right? It is. Okay. The Iron Giants in both of them. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, interesting. Very, oh, no. very interesting. It's, uh, I, I don't regret many things in life. This is on the list, though. <laughs> we do, uh, you know, speaking of Don Cheadle, we do have some Don Cheadle-related uh, news this week. <laughs> he was probably the best part of it. Yeah. Believe it or not, like he was the only one like having fun with the whole with the whole project and like i don't sorry i don't mean to keep going on this tangent but like the whole movie is about learning to have fun and and like being and like learning to let let people be themselves and like not to always dive into work 100 percent of the time and like he's the only one that's having fun in this yeah <laughs> Anyway, what 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 news do we have for Don Cheadle? Um, so we we got uh, the news of the Emmy nominations this week, and there were twenty eight for Marvel Studios series, um, twenty three for WandaVision, and five for Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, included among the five for Falcon and the Winter Soldier was Don Cheadle for outstanding guest actor in a drama series for the three minutes he was on screen yeah it, it made me laugh because <laughs> it really was he was on screen for one scene mm-hmm. and maybe i don't know five to ten lines <laughs> if um, but i guess that's what you define guest as i, I, I think guess... you define guest as like appearing in one episode or less i mean i'm uh, i think so because if you look at the other nomin, have you looked at the other nominees no Okay, so Charles Dance for The Crown is is also nominated. Timothy Oliphant for The Mandalorian. Um, Courtney B. Vance for Lovecraft Country. And then Carl Weathers for The Mandalorian as well. So I think they define it as somebody who is on for less than one, or for one episode or like less than a certain amount of time on one episode. Mm, I see. I mean, Giancarlo Esposito was nominated last year for the mandalorian and james cromwell was nominated for succession last year so um and james cromwell is only on like one maybe two episodes for all of like five minutes 
but I, I can't really speak to the Emmys because I don't know. I don't follow them. I, mm-hmm. I know that they're given out by the Academy of Television Arts and Sciences, but I also know that their categories are very specific. Yeah. Um, like you just read off. I the, can tell. Uh, outstanding guest actor in a drama series they have outstanding guest actor in a comedy series oh wow uh they also have i saw there was a best outstanding production design for a narrative period or fantasy program one hour or more wow huh (laughs) interesting i i think i know um someone on a marvel studios series that that appeared in one episode or less that i'd like to throw out for next year (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think we have a winner, actually, for that. that yeah. For next year. Um, but anyway, so for the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, some of the other uh, nominations came in the form of, um, I believe it was mostly visual and stunt work. So um, cool, mm-hmm. but not as significant as WandaVisions, which um, was nominated, among other things, for um, Outstanding Limited or Anthology Series. Um, outstanding lead actor in a limited series or movie for Paul Bettany outstanding outstanding leading actress in a limited series or movie for Elizabeth Olsen outstanding supporting actress in a limited series or movie for Catherine Hahn outstanding directing for a limited series movie or dramatic special for Matt Shackman who directed all the episodes of WandaVision mm-hmm. and outstanding writing for a limited series movie or dramatic special um, and three episodes of WandaVision um, were nominated for that. Uh, and those were Jack Schaefer for writing filmed before a live studio audience, Chuck Hayward and Peter Cameron for writing the all new Halloween spooktacular <laughs> and Laura Donny for um, previously on. I love, I, I always forget how great the titles for that show yeah, were. <laughs> they were amazing. Uh, I mean, I'm not surprised that WandaVision out of the two Disney Plus series is the one that got the more love from the television academy. <laughs> uh, I mean, the whole show was dedicated to the history of television. Yeah. Um, and like owes its gratitude to what the medium has done in the past uh, like 80 years now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm happy with all of these. Do I see a winner in all of these? I, I can't even begin to. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. <laughs> I definitely think of the the three episodes that got nominated for writing that previously on was very strong. Um, that you know, it's spoilers for Wandavision, but that's kind of like the flashback episode that showed us. Okay. Yes. What happened leading up to the events of Wandavision? That's right. Um. I am I am a bit surprised though on the Falcon and Winter Soldier side not to see any um, nominations for Anthony Mackie or Sebastian Anthony Mackie or Sebastian Stan or Daniel Brühl for that matter. Um, I don't yeah, know if I they guess submitted. So. I'm sure they submitted him for consideration for supporting. Um, and I would even throw Carl Lumbly up there who who was um, Isaiah Bradley. I would I would consider him a guest possibly depending I on think, depending I on think what the I read they is. submitted him for supporting because he was in um I think three episodes maybe. but but oh my god but they put two uh, this is why I can't stand some of these award shows I'm sorry okay but they put two castings from Hamilton in there for Lin-Manuel Miranda and Leslie Odom Jr. They're both nominated but Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan are not 
Yeah, I mean, they probably consider that a a movie. (laughs) Television movie. That frustrates me to no end. Yeah. Just it's it's a live record. It's a recording of a live performance. Technically, yes, that's a movie, but yeah. uh, I'm sorry. I I don't mean to just keep going on tangents tonight, but I definitely feel that Anthony Mackie deserved the he definitely nomination for lead actor. I'm I'm honestly surprised, especially like limited series. I can't think of that many that are out there that he's competing against. But I, off the top of my head, I I can't I I don't watch enough. Well, what what what's considered TV now is on streaming services? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know if you looked at any of the nominees outside of the Marvel ones, but almost all of them, save maybe one or two are on streaming services now Mm. i think i think the only non-streaming network show that i saw in the categories was blackish and that's on abc Mm. the rest are hulu hbo mats netflix disney plus all of them so i mean (laughs) times have changed especially in the past year and a half i mean we've talked about it on this show a handful of times where I mean, streaming has won out essentially. Yeah. And TV has shifted to streaming. Movies are starting to shift to streaming. Mm-hmm. Um, what's considered a limited series now, when it's possible to renew a, a limited series for a second season when it might not necessarily need to, that's all up for debate. That yeah, we, we're not really experts How do you on define these things, <laughs> right? So yeah. I mean, yeah, I definitely think. Anthony Mackie at minimum deserves a nomination over mm-hmm. uh, I, Leslie Odom Jr. and Lynn Manuel Miranda. As much as I love them in in Hamilton, yeah. it, 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 sh- it shouldn't have been under consideration, at least right. in my opinion. That's... Yeah, I I can see that. <laughs> I'd agree with that. Um, as far as you know, any of these categories having um, a really great chance to win on the Wandavision side, I would say. Um, I think Elizabeth Olsen has a really good chance at outstanding lead actress. I haven't really looked at the field, but based on her performance and being able to play that character through different decades with a, like a common through line (laughs) and um, for her, for her acting in that flashback episode was phenomenal. I got it. Oh, that's tough. That's very tough. Cause I'm looking at the, um, I'm looking at the nominees now. It's Anya Taylor-Joy for The Queen's Gambit. Oh. Uh, Elizabeth Olsen for WandaVision. Uh, Kate Winslet for Mar of Easttown. Cynthia Erivo for Genius Aretha. And Michaela Cowell for I May Destroy You. So it's a pretty stacked category yeah, all around. I, I genuinely think Anya Taylor-Joy is going to take that one. Yeah, I he's gotten so much recognition that that series was fantastic front to back. Uh, it's like a seven or eight hour movie cut up into seven or eight hour episodes, one hour episodes. And I I really think she has a great chance of taking this one. Um, and I also personally love Kate Winslet and Mara Town a lot. Yeah, I haven't, um, I haven't watched that one. I mean, you're from Pennsylvania. I think you would get an appreciation of it. Yeah. Especially from small town Pennsylvania, uh-huh. it, it it painfully depicts small town PA very well. <laughs> um, and the the other uh, 
category I think that they may have a shot in is directing, outstanding directing, just for Matt Shackman to to be able to direct essentially six or seven different shows within one. You know, mm. like they they there was a through line in them and to to kind of provide that unsettling feeling throughout a lot of the episodes as well, I think is really unique and would be uh would be really cool to see him wow, get a nod for that. There are multiple nominees for this one and I hate to say it, but yeah, the Queen's Gambit is nominated again. Uh-huh. <laughs> um well, it's probably in every category, so it probably is. Uh, Hamilton's in here as well, believe it or not. Interesting. Yeah. A- anyway, um, yeah, I think uh, personally, I think I haven't looked. I mean, we could sit here all night and go through all these categories, but I think out of all of these categories, um, I'll agree with you on the directing one. Um, I also think possibly the writing credit for Laura Donnie on yeah. uh, on the previously on episode would be um is up there as well for kind of giving us a, that that flashback and really really giving uh, Elizabeth Olsen a, a chance to shine through the, uh, the entire like not say this was her like breakthrough moment on the show i mean we loved her from the start but this was also the uh what is love or what is grief but love persevering line yeah. like <laughs> <laughs> that everybody became a meme. knows from, it became a meme and everybody knows yeah. from it now and yeah, um, we got a nice shout, shout out to that line in uh loki this week as well yeah we did um so i mean i think that episode specifically has it has the best chance all right um so the next thing to to talk about is we we got confirmation from kate heron that the voice of throg and in uh, last week's episode when we saw him was actually Chris Hemsworth and they got him to record new lines for the role. It wasn't reused. It, they brought him into the studio and had him secretly record Throg. You got to love it. You got to love, love it. it. I love it. I love that Chris, Chris Hemsworth is just committed to this role now completely. Yeah. It's so funny because of all of the original Avengers, coming out of age of Ultron, it kind of seemed like he was the one that was going to dip out, mm. <laughs> you know, like he was the one that was least enthused. He always seemed maybe the least, uh, the person who seemed like he was having the least amount of fun on mm-hmm. screen until Taika just completely revitalized it and turned him around. <laughs> just shows you what a great director and, and great writing staff can do for a person mm-hmm. or for an actor that given the right direction, they can just run with it, take off with yeah. a role and, um and made it their own so i I actually went back and watched that scene again (laughs) just to see if i could tell and you dude you definitely can if you listen to it like they didn't really put a ton of effects on his voice it still just sounds like chris hemsworth so i'll have to go back and look at it yeah yeah you should give it a listen (laughs) well speaking of uh speaking of waititi yeah we got a um promo for the movie free guy starring Ryan Reynolds um, and the promo <laughs> because everything is owned by Disney now was <laughs> Deadpool and Korg doing a, a reaction to the trailer of free guy. So very meta um, part of me is like, are they starting to to prime up the or starting to get people in the mindset of 
you know, Deadpool is going to be in the MCU soon. It kind of seems like that, but I don't know. It, it's a kind of a funny, it's funny little gag. Yeah, the whole the whole reaction video itself is is great, but it, I, I I'm just at a loss for words on what to say about it. Because I mean, you're right. Disney owns everything. This movie was delayed because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it wasn't for that, we might not have gotten this promo. Um, yeah, this movie would have been released like almost around the time of the merger. <laughs> yeah, it seemed like I've heard about this movie for a long time. Yeah, and I, I do love that they reference that that uh, that, that that's why they're doing it. Uh huh. <laughs> um, but I also just like the idea of uh, Waititi and Reynolds working together. When when we saw the trailer for Free Guy when we went to see Black Widow, I I can't believe I didn't think of them possibly pulling something like this. considering the both both of them are here and i love i also love the fact that i don't know if watiti purposely did this knowing this would happen or did this on purpose and realizes it was a mistake of casting himself as cord because now anytime cord comes up he has to come back yeah (laughs) being that he casts himself in in predominant or not predominantly large but like relatively large roles in in every one of his movies that now he is one of the main characters in the mcu yeah (laughs) i don't know if funny he regrets it at this point so he, he probably work. enjoys it i mean at a certain point he can probably stop doing the in-person motion capture for it right and just do the voice yeah probably it'd be a lot easier <laughs> i just I, I would love to see the behind the scenes of that of uh ryan reynolds do you think he was in mocap or that was the suit itself for uh, probably a mix I, i've seen ryan reynolds and with td with the giant uh ball above his head on a stick yeah on the couch i would love to see the just the the un the raw files of that that'd be really funny (laughs) but yeah it's interesting i mean this is the first time like whether they're calling it canon or not i don't think they've ever they referenced it in any way to be canon but um still it's kind of the first reference of the fox universe in the mcu so Mm -hmm. well definitely interesting well technically now everything's canon anything's yeah, on the table true we'll, we'll get to that but true very true um so the last uh, last piece of news is we got our um black widow quote-unquote box office numbers um that also include the disney plus premiere access um numbers so black widow made 228 million worldwide in its opening weekend which is pretty impressive and way more than i yeah had thought yeah given the circumstances <laughs> yeah so in the u.s black widow ranks right in between um dr strange and ant-man and the wasp for opening weekends so two movies that came out relatively recently you know pre-pandemic mm-hmm. um it beat a lot of phase one so it beat incredible hulk uh, first avenger thor and ant-man so you're definitely just domestic numbers yeah okay. domestic mm-hmm. it, it kind of gets weird when you bring in the the disney plus so right. for a breakdown it's a 80 million domestic 78 million international and 60 million through premier access 
So that that's pretty encouraging, I think, for Disney for Premier Access that they were able to rake in sixty million. Yeah. Um. So I, I think that's really important, and that doesn't even include the you know new subscriptions that it probably drove some people to subscribe to Disney Plus so that they could get Premier Access as well. That makes me wonder if Sean Chi is going to get the same treatment now in the Eternals. They've already the said no. Sean Chi, well, they could go back on it, but they, they have yeah. said that it's an exclusive 30 day window for Sean Chi. Oh, okay. Before it goes on to Disney Plus. Yeah. Okay. And I, I don't know if they've said it's going to be Premier Access at that point. I assume it would be, but. Guess you never know. Well, from what I understand, and it's been a few months since I've looked into this, but it seems like that 30-day window is going to become the industry standard. Uh, it used to be like 60 days, I think, 45 I think it was or 90. 60. <laughs> oh, it was 90? Okay. So I, it was around 90, and then like once the pandemic hit, it went to zero. Uh, yep. But it sounds like now, in order to make theaters, theater chains and uh, theater owners happy, they're going to um, industry wide go to this thirty day release window. It's, it's exemptions for where there are partnerships already and uh, right. deals already put in place. Yeah, uh, a la AMC and Universal. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I, I'm happy about the thirty day window. I mean, ninety was just kind of obscene, especially you know for studios when they probably looked at their numbers. It's after the first 30 days, I would imagine there's a pretty hard dip where they would like to just start capitalizing on on physical and digital sales. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, I always wondered that, too, when I was young, younger, like I would go see like Spider-Man 2 in the theaters and then yeah. be like, well, I don't, I'm not going to get to watch it again for another seven months. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like It felt like forever. I know. <laughs> but I mean, it. it it's kind of good for consumers in that in that regard. Then, I think and, so. And especially I mean, since ninety days, and especially since you don't have to necessarily wait for a physical media release anymore. They can just put it right up on the streaming platform. Um, I'm a little torn on that because personally, I like to collect physical media, as I said with my record collection earlier. Um, but I mean, I don't I, think I, physical media is going anywhere. No, but I can see. Uh, I can see some good in this as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the last last bit of news we have is, I think, a bit of a downer. So um, we we got our confirmation of Loki season two. So that's not a downer. That's good. Um, but it was also confirmed uh, by Kate Heron herself that she will not be returning for season two. Now. I do wonder if the reaction to this and the reception of it kind of changes that. She said she's not working on any any other Marvel Studio property or anything like that. But from reading blurbs from her from interviews over the last week or so, it seems like she has been so critical <laughs> to this show. And I just can't mm-hmm. see her not returning. Like... Uh, do you think it's just a time commitment thing where she has other projects that she wants or it could be, but also she, she said that she, you know, she set out to tell the story that she told with season one and, okay. you know, she doesn't really have that much interest in 
continuing, but you know, money talks. <laughs> yeah, it does. And if she has the ideas and she clearly has the the direction and the ability to kind of lead this creative team that put together a pretty fantastic series. Because I I know and I can dutifully respect somebody that wants to walk away because they've told the story that they wanted to tell and mm-hmm. they feel like they can't move on anymore. Yep. Um I mean, that's where we got our Game of Thrones debacle, where the creators would just not stop. God, true. Very true. Um, And I wonder if maybe she could use this as leverage on her next project, albeit not Marvel, but like with another studio or an independent project or with independent financers of, hey, I did this for Marvel. It mm-hmm. got a ton of fan reaction. People recognize my name now give me a little more money so i can do what i want right yeah it's it's just interesting you kind of see (laughs) like immediately after the season one ends and season two is announced and she's like yeah i'm not coming back i was like oh (laughs) it's usually you see the opposite it's like hey we're returning it happened with falcon winter soldier when they announced that they're uh you know following that up with a movie basically Mm -hmm. that you know, Malcolm Spellman was returning for it. Um, what is interesting about this as well, though, is she, in an interview this week, I read she was involved from the start with the the casting of Jonathan Majors. Oh, really? And part of the casting process for the role of uh, He Who Remains slash, slash Kang. So that, <laughs> that, that has been in the works for a long time. Huh. You think of when that, when that was announced, um, but yeah, that's it's an interesting really, tidbit. That's really interesting. Mm-hmm. That so they always had those plans to introduce him via the series. I wonder if she'll get some sort of consulting producer credit, or she'll be some sort of consultant to the next Ant Man. Then possibly could be, um, or even to the next Avengers. If Kane is set, to, I mean, from the sound of it, Kane is set to be the next Thanos, and it would make sense. Which would We'll dive into that in a minute here but um it's it's sad but i i am curious if this is just some sort of leverage either for herself to go somewhere else or for her to come back to marvel and maybe mm-hmm. get a bump in budget for doing so right because i mean some of the cgi was wonky in places and some like the show is fantastic don't get me wrong there, there's some things that could have been tweaked here and there and maybe with a slightly bigger budget she would be able to it would have been just perfect all around mm-hmm. um i wonder if this is kind of her way of saying hey i want a bigger bump that could be so that's about it um for the news this week and speaking of loki we have a lot of loki to talk about still so yeah um stick with us here this episode was titled for all time always very very aptly titled i would say <laughs> um directed you know by kate heron again and uh this one was written by michael waldron yep so he he is someone that definitely has a future in the mcu being that he's one of the head writers on uh, doctor strange but yes <laughs> this episode was pretty amazing <laughs> from start to finish I mean, it. I think it 
sufficiently answered a lot of questions in a way that was very satisfying i felt oh, by the way eric martin was a writer on this one as well eric martin as well thank we you should, we should mention that yep and also being that this is these are the two guys that were like the dan Harmon uh alumni yeah that they pulled i i felt this answered many of our questions in a very satisfying way mm-hmm. you know we let's just start to walk through the, the plot because i think it might be a little bit easier that way um so we open with loki and sylvie walking up to the castle there's a bit of a debate about going inside and how they should do it sylvie needs to kind of take her time to process things because she's been at this for so long mm-hmm. um and almost immediately when they walk in there's the miss minutes jump scare <laughs> where she just appears on the screen and that that got a jump out of me i i was excited to see more of her because you kind of felt like when she showed up there she was going to be pretty unhinged (laughs) because it was like oh this is her okay she can exist outside of the tva now we know this (laughs) that's been confirmed Mm -hmm. um and she just seemed a little loose and a little more commanding than she had in the past and more sinister she almost seemed crazed yeah yeah definitely the way like her eyes looked it it felt like they were drawn a different way when she (laughs) when she popped up i was like hi there yeah they were like like the the whites of her eyes were bigger but the uh Mm -hmm. the pupils were like really small so Mm -hmm. like it almost freaked you out looking at looking at her a little bit Mm -hmm. Uh, but she she offers Loki and Sylvie the chance to um, basically go away to their own timeline where they rule, basically, and we get King Loki, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that was what was offered. Um, she even mentions she can give Loki an infinity gauntlet in that universe, and he can do whatever he wants. And <laughs> you know, I at this point, this is where it set in for me, and I was like, okay, this is going to be Kang, mostly because our entire theory about king loki rested on you know loki has to see this version of himself and deny it right like it's part of his character growth he has to see king loki but then at that moment he was offered to be king loki he denied it so it's like check off that piece of character development right so i'm thinking if they did king loki now he's already denied that opportunity so there's not much really that that would offer us more than we've already gotten Mm-hmm. you know so at that point i was like oh man i think they're gonna do kang and, and you know we find out they did but not really <laughs> sort of kind of you know yeah um but what did you what did you think about this whole miss minute scene and her offer and everything so i mean i'm not exactly in the same boat as you um when that for, when she initially offered it to him and he said no part of me was still thinking well it could maybe it's not King Loki, but maybe it's still the the couple theory we were talking about last week, where it's both a version of Loki and Sylvie. And this was also obviously before we knew there was a second season coming. Yep. I it, I was still under the impression that this would be just a one season limited series closing, like that would still be yeah closing. Like the journey is over, like you know the right the character arc is complete. Yeah, right. Like this just solidifies and like materializes everything we've seen. Him outright denying the throne right there. It's him verbally saying it, but like him coming face to face with himself would like 
be a visual component to that as well for yeah. the audience. I think it would have worked, but for what we're getting, I think they made the right choice of not doing that. Yeah. And I think we were meant to get some sort of visual come, come to God moment with this, you know, like, like the face to face with King Loki moment um, based on the trailers, you know, we saw the scene, we saw some additional scenes of him in Avengers tower that looked like he was a little bit more in control and he might've won. Um, and we saw the scene of him as King and Asgard. And I almost think they shot those and meant to put them in here as like a, a vision for Loki, like kind of a way for him to see that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think they made, if that was the case, I think they made the right decision to, to cut it. I don't think it seeing that wouldn't have offered that much given we just saw so many other Lokis. Or is it possible that those were just thrown in there as a diversion? It's possible. That's this, definitely possible. This wouldn't be the first time that they've done that. They shot an entire or put together an entire sequence of the Avengers running toward the camera for Infinity War that was never in it. Yeah. So, well, even I mean that shot in Infinity War even included a fully rendered Hulk, which we never saw in Wakanda. Right. Exactly. Like, so, <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't put it past past Disney to go the extra mile to shoot extra footage. Yeah, that Infinity War thing I think was actually a, a change to the script. But if there was a production crew and if there was a creative crew that would mislead us, it would be this Loki crew. Yes. <laughs> like that. I mean, this whole series was tons of Easter eggs and and hints and Mister X and red herrings and. Well, yeah. the I mean, on IMDb, the the photo for this episode was him in standing in front of the throne. Mm. For really? a while, yeah, they've changed it since, but like that yeah. was that was the image that they threw up there, and mm-hmm. this wouldn't be the first time that uh, Waldron and Martin's crew have done something like that. I mean, I mentioned them being part of Dan Harmon's uh, alumni of uh, of cast and crew. Uh, I mean, for the Atlantis episode of Rick and Morty, they did the same exact thing. Of the description on, on IMDb said that it's about the two of them going on an adventure in Atlantis, but that whole episode had nothing to do with that. Yeah. I remember that. that. Yeah. It was a completely different storyline in a completely different universe Mm -hmm. that had nothing to do with it. So it like hid things from fans who were speculating. Um, Right. So I wouldn't put it past them that that's what they were, that they were just trying to create a diversion. Um, But yeah, I, I thought it was a good intro. I, I liked, (laughs) I think this is the best Tara Strong has been as Miss Minutes. Oh, she's sure. just horrifying to listen to. She has yes. such a, she has such that sweet and innocent voice, but what's coming out of her mouth just scares you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. I really hope we get more of her in season two. I, I, I want them to dive into that character so much. Like it, it's just so great. It <laughs> There it reminds me of, of um, yeah, it, it really gives me the similar vibes that like the WandaVision commercials gave me, mm-hmm. you know, it's like cute and bubbly, but like super unsettling at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, especially in this episode. I mean, I, I was hoping throughout the series that we'd kind of see her go off the rails at some point or show kind of her true colors. And I think we got a little bit of that here, but maybe not entirely. Um, Jumping ahead for a second when, there was a point where he who remains is talking about um, harnessing the energy and the power of a being. And he was talking about Elioth, but for a second, it ran across my head that he was talking about Miss Minutes. Like she was okay, actually yeah. some like temporal 
being <laughs> that he harnessed the power of. I was going to be like, oh my gosh. Um, but turned He's out that wasn't the case. A god of some yeah. sort. <laughs> I wouldn't have put it past them to do something like that. Um, but anyways, yeah, that I thought that scene was very unsettling and and important for to lay some of the groundwork for what we see in a bit. I think we should mention though what um, something we missed at the beginning was um, when they started the the, uh, the normal Marvel Studios logo. Instead of hearing the, the score over top, we get oh like, yes, clips oh my gosh, of um, we get clips of each individual movie. Uh, playing over top of each image that's popping up and I, I i knew i could tell what they were doing right away uh it's a little jarring but as soon as like it started panning out and then it's like into this stream I'm like oh wait we're in the sacred timeline it yeah hands over to the to the meteor I'm like now we are no longer in the timeline this does not exist this does not happen in the timeline yeah just kind of ironic considering we're watching it happen in real time essentially. yeah <laughs> yeah there were also clips in that uh, audio clips of like real life events like sci- oh, certain that. scientists talking about time uh, greta thunberg was in there um i think nelson mandela i want to say okay um but yeah pretty interesting to allude that's the second uh, it, it, for those who've seen black widow and the, there are some references to real life events in that one as well it kind of made me think of that a bit yeah <laughs> um but and uh real political figures right but um yeah that that intro was incredible <laughs> i mean it, it gave me chills um just to hear the different lines and I mean, every character as they passed by them, you know, uttered one of their most memorable lines, mm-hmm. which was really cool. So after the the Miss Minutes scene, uh, we come back to the TVA, and Miss Minutes shows up again here to to Renslayer. Um, and I thought this was interesting because it shows that Miss Minutes is one being, right? <laughs> like she she came to Renslayer. After she took care of Loki, she mentioned that, you know, there was some business she was attending to. So she literally teleported from there to here. So she has access to go to the void at the end of time Mm -hmm. and then pop back to the TVA. So I thought that was interesting that she seems to not just be like this computer program that's everywhere, but this like being that can transport around and has to like move from place to place. So Mm -hmm. that was very unsettling for me to have that realization (laughs) (laughs) and that's why i want to dig more into what what is actually going on there um uh miss minute starts with an m and mephisto starts with an m it's all i'm saying i'll say nothing more i will say nothing more um but she she mentions to um renslayer that he found some files that you might be interested in um so we never find out exactly what those files are. But something seems off there. Like he who remains has some plans for Renslayer or needs her to do something. I It's going to be something we find out in season two. But it really seems like he had some sort of ulterior motive that, you know, he's having Renslayer act on. I don't I have no idea what that is or it's possible that I don't know because it's it's so hard to it's so hard to speculate on what is going to happen with her 
because we have no sort of indication or idea of where she could be going. The only thing that she ends up telling Mobius is that she's going to find free will. And she's also said that only one person gets to have free will. And it's he who remains in this case. I forget. Does she know that he who remains exists before this point? Not before this point, because okay. Miss Minutes references he, and mm-hmm. she says who. That's right. Okay. So I don't. Maybe it's contained in those files, but we don't even get any indication that when she leaves, that she knows at that point. Because we know that we know that Renslayer and Kane are a, a thing in the comics. Yep. I wonder if he who remains references this later that uh, he he will be back in some form at some point in time right this version of himself is going to wind back up in this spot i wonder if she is instrumental in that it very well could be so i I think i think before we start to speculate on her we need to get into into kane a little yeah let's let's do that and we'll we'll talk about renslayer once we get into there because i i have some thoughts as well um, and I definitely want to hear yours because it's it's very hard to kind of go in order on completely on this episode, given that we get so much at the end in the last. There is like, no order. Anymore. Literally, there is no order. <laughs> uh, like in the last 30 minutes of this episode, it just like not everything falls apart. But there's so yeah. much that recontextualizes what Renslayer could be doing. Yeah, well, I think that'll help. Yeah, let's get to to um the the introduction of kang so we have the the scene that they were really building up to the reveal you know i mean like they go in that room the elevator starts to come up and it feels like it takes like 20 seconds to get Mm -hmm. up there um and there he is and you and i were we actually got together to watch this episode the first time we we got together to watch one of the disney plus series but um we gasped when we saw jonathan majors the (laughs) elevator um and, you know, overall, this is a nice twist to have him not be Kang the Conqueror, but, yes. you know, a variant that's he who remains because it, we still, still don't know what Kang is going to be like. Right. It I still thought, provides some mystery to those who don't know who yes. Kang is. Yeah. Um, part of me is like, I wish they never announced the casting for Quantumania. <laughs> yeah because if we saw him we'd be like what is going on until the point where he mentions they've called me conqueror before we'd be like oh my god (laughs) you know well not to mention he's wearing like a purple and green getup that looks yeah looks very close to kane's actual outfit that Mm -hmm. i think people would have picked up on it right away that this is who we're talking about but then that that conqueror line would just kind of solidify yeah who it is yeah um so i i was put off for a bit by his i wouldn't say put off but i was surprised by his demeanor like how oh, bubbly wasn't. and like goofy he was i was all um, for it i was for it i was too but i thought we were seeing kang the conqueror you know like that's where my okay. mind went and i was like this isn't how i would expect like a, a dictator world conqueror to to be like but then it yeah. makes complete sense once they recontextualize it um in the well, next scene well for me not even the recontextualization of it but the fact that he is a 10 pad and he's like when so sophie when sylvie goes to punch him he ju- he's able to just move away and like he knows exactly everything that's going to happen at every yeah. time so he has the confidence to just be like oh yeah i you don't even bother nothing like, matters yeah no, nothing matters like none of this matters because 
I know more than you. Don't even try. Yep. It's not worth it. So even if like he didn't have, even if he is a dictator, he doesn't have to be like this ruling, grimacing, brutal person. Like he could just be like, yeah, don't even try. It's not, it's not worth your time. Right. I, you're going to try it. I know you're going to try it. Don't. Mm-hmm. It gives him a sense of confidence is what I'm getting at. Right. Yep. Definitely. Um, and that was great. And then we get up to the office and he just like casually invites them in, pours <laughs> them tea and like <laughs> knowing that they won't take the tea because he knows exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, and we got a nice call back to episode one when Loki's being um, like onboarded into the TVA of the printouts of conversations. And, and oh, yeah. he who remains just has their conversation that they're currently in. And it's like, oh, man, he knows what's happening outside of the timeline even right was wild from there we start to get an explanation of just who he is so as it turns out the tva was not a lie i mean the only part of it that was actually a lie was that or not really a lie but an omission that the multiversal war was basically the the council of kang's infighting Mm mm-hmm Right, like destroying entire realities. And I mean, I think I did say this in in my predictions for the end that if it is Kane, he probably set up the TVA to kind of run things on its own, so he could go do whatever he needed to. Yeah. And I'm I'm glad that he just kind of throws it out there that why do you think the TVA was set up as a bureaucratic institution that's self sufficient? Yeah, Yeah, I don't have to do it. (laughs) Right. Um, Yep. So, um. Yeah, I, I, I just I gush over this whole like I almost lore. I got what the lore like the, the lore that yeah. and just it just Major's performance here like it's just I could not have like I know we were doing fan, fan castings for a while I don't know if any either of us would have picked a better person to no. to do this because he's so charismatic and so confident. But also, there's a, a bit of um, like Pain. snake oil salesman to him. Yeah, that, yeah. That you can tell he's got something behind well, that he's lying about. Right. Constantly. Well, I I was reading an interview with him this week, um, and he is like trained. He's a trained clown, Jonathan. Is Majors. he really? Yes. Huh. So he said that was like a really big inspiration for this performance, like constantly yeah. smiling and being like so bubbly. Yeah. Um, but like, I, I get the sense that he's in pain too. Cause I mean, he says like his face looks pretty haunted when he says he's tired. Like mm-hmm. I'm just done with it. <laughs> you know, Like, yeah. Like kill me or replace me. I don't even care anymore. Just do whatever. <laughs> if you kill me, I'm just going to end up right back here anyway. So whatever, <laughs> like, like the war will happen again. And uh, I'll, I'll resume my place with the TVA. Um, but yeah, I thought his his explanation was cool, giving the little visual aid of the metal that kind of reformed not, into what he wanted. Not to mention, this is, I'm taking this from another podcast I listened to, but this is a very like Shakespearean performance he's putting on too, the way it's shot, the way he's explaining everything. Mm-hmm. Like, I actually got kind of upset when at one point it cut back to Renslayer and Mobius and the TVA. Like yeah. I just wanted, I would have just wanted this whole episode to be the three of them in that room. Yeah. And I mean, if you think about it, I'm again, I'm just pulling straight from another podcast, but the, 
the way that that room is set up, it's this large room that Jonathan Majors is commanding on on his own for two people. And he's even like illustrating exactly what happened Mm -hmm. uh, with that, with that metal off of the 10 pad that Sylvie and Loki are watching that we are then watching them watching this performance (laughs) and with majors kind of, and he who remains acting as like the narrator of this play. And it just, it's all shot in one tapes. So we get to actually see his performance and like, it just, Ooh, it makes me, it makes me happy. I, I, if you had to like compare Richard E. Grant to Jonathan majors in this, I don't, I don't know who, who takes the, I, I would have to give it to majors probably on this. But yeah, I, I probably would too. Just with how much he has to do in such a brief amount of time. Yeah. Between <laughs> between trying to convince Sylvie to kill him. And essentially that's what he's doing. Um, yeah. Convince Sylvie to kill him as well as set up who this character is. Mm-hmm. Whereas Richard E. Grant, we just see a, a standard progressive arc or standard character arc from beginning to end. I think right. this one has a little more nuance to it. Yeah, because it really is like, I think the, the nuance comes into play even more after they cross the quote unquote threshold. So like in the middle of the conversation, he just stops yeah. and it's like, I don't know what's happening anymore. <laughs> and he's like giddy, but also like, you know, he feels relief. Um, and it just changes like his tone changes. He gets a little more somber, a little more um, serious, but also like, I don't know. It, it just, I can't pinpoint exactly what the shift is. And I think that's what makes it so good. <laughs> it's like, he's playing a different. Oh yeah. You see it on his face where it just drops all of a sudden that he realizes yeah. something's wrong. Yeah. And I, I literally don't know what's going to happen. You, right. <laughs> you guys are going to believe me. Yeah, but and we see the timeline shifting in the back. They don't, right? They they don't get up and go over to the window to see. Oh yeah, he's telling the truth. Like uh-huh. Sylvie, like just outright doesn't believe him. Loki, this is where we see his character arc come into like come to a close in this in this mm-hmm. season. Of uh, well, we actually see it between him and Sylvie, but like he starts to realize that this guy's not lying. Like you can't bullshit a bullshitter like i i've been in his shoes before <laughs> and essentially loki has cried wolf so many times that the wolf has now shown up and sylvie won't believe him right one of the best lines in this series is you can't trust anyone and i can't be trusted yeah so like that just it's this self-realization that i screwed up so much in in my life that you're not going to believe me somebody that i care about and right I just want you to be okay, but mm-hmm. she's re- she's reacting on almost pure emotion to all of this because yep. she's been at this for so long and wants to kill whoever laser focused on her goal. Right. Instead mm-hmm. of looking at the bigger picture of if he if she does this, chaos literally ensues. Right. Um, but, but also, like, so I will disagree a little bit with you there. Okay. Um, I liked the. I liked having them juxtapositioned for this, but I kind of felt like Loki based on the season and everything he's experienced would be on board with Sylvie. Like the consequences of free will, yes, lead to a multiversal war, but 
he who remains is also just like killing so many people when he prunes the branches like he's dumping them all into the void like how is that like so, the realities that are affected by the multiversal war are you know affected by it in a very negative way but at the same time like he's just dumping all the other realities into the void and letting them get eaten by a lion <laughs> like so they're Loti's essentially in a lose-lose situation here. Either, well, I guess Loti and Sylvie are in a lose-lose situation overall here because, I mean, uh, the consequences are you leave Kane alive and everything, and it's status quo, everything returns to normal. Um, or you kill Kane and the multiverse just expands and the multiversal mm-hmm. war begins. I think the way that he who remains describes it is those are the two options he's speaking in in a very binary way of you either kill me and chaos happens or you or you take over and i leave and you become me essentially and everything goes on as status quo but in reality there is a middle ground in there somewhere and i think I think he starts to realize that at some point when he, I think he says at one point, I think Loki says at one point, I know people that could probably help us with this or something along those lines Mm. of let's think this through before we react, because if we screw up here, there are massive consequences. Yeah, I get that. That, that makes sense. Like basically we can take his place and do better in a way that's not just, you know, pruning these timelines and feeding them to Elias, like right. a way that's not as cruel or some other, um, some other solution. So yeah, I get that. That makes sense to me. Gotcha. Um, speaking of Elias, I thought it was cool in that, in his uh, demonstration that he showed that basically the reset charges are harnessed power from Elias. Yeah. <laughs> like that's why they turn into the purple smoke when they, when they uh, prune things, which was, Really interesting. Um, I don't know how we didn't think to draw that connection before. <laughs> There's so much in this show that it's hard to draw connections from episode mm-hmm. to episode. Um, yeah. and, w- and back to my my problem with Loki and Sylvia. I think oh, yeah. what that was born out of. Go ahead. Oh no, go ahead. Oh, I think what that was born out of for me was that Loki Sylvie fight being the only fight and action of this episode. Pretty much made me look at it a little more um with a little bit more scrutiny than i normally would just because i'm like it felt a little forced um looking back with your explanation that isn't a concern of mine but um i almost felt like they were like we have to have an action we have to have a fight scene in the finale so (laughs) like we've been talking for too long so let's let's uh have them disagree on this and fight each other but I, I, but the get conflict, your like, point. there's a, there's a real conflict there yeah. that they're literally fighting over. Like, oh, that, I understand like, that. Like I just felt not... like Loki's side at first. I, I, yeah. I've come around since your argument, but at first I felt that Loki's side wasn't a natural progression for, for him. Okay. And I felt like they, they gave him the opposing view so that they would fight and have an action scene. I got gotcha. But now I see it, I see it as, you know, he he thinks they can do it differently and better than he who remains has. Right. Yeah. And maybe that's why he who remains has 
you know, selected two people to try and do it because, you know, then it's opposing viewpoints, keep each other in check, sort of. Right. And I, it's funny you say it that way. Cause I, when we were watching, I even said, like, he's got a real Willy Wonka thing going on. Here. Oh, for so, sure. It's like a demented Willy Wonka. Yeah. Of, uh, who's going to take over the sacred timeline mm-hmm. so I can go retire. And he says it in almost the exact same way. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I just, um, I think he who remains either wants to, he, I, I mean, you said it earlier that he wants to either die or leave. He doesn't want to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. And even if he dies, that version of him is no longer existing. There is another version coming in the multiversal war that will replace him. Yeah. The, this is going to kind of sound complicated to say, but and I'm trying to think of a good way to say it, but Kang prime in this case will just will not exist anymore but the second coming of kane will prime Prime will come and like recreate the tva and recreate the sacred timeline so there's this weird i'm stretching here but there's this weird idea of identity and individuals and individualism of that person is not me, but he will come replace me. You know what I, yeah. you know what I'm getting at? Mm-hmm. Um, I, it's just coming to me as I'm saying it out loud, but, um, and this whole show is dealt with individuals, free will, individual oh, choices, sure. individualism and identity. So it, it's not out of the realm of possibility that that is his goal is to, um, is even like, to die like he's willing to die that day Mm -hmm. and i think i think he is more leaning toward that option from the way he's speaking about it because it almost sounds like he wants sylvie to to attack him yeah i think so too um and even his reaction and even his reaction to sylvie killing him is i'll see you later and then winks at her yeah exactly and i i think i think part of this is he wants it done differently, whether it's he dies and is replaced by someone else or Loki and Sylvie do it and do it their way. Like, I don't know. He knows that eventually whatever he's doing wears on himself and, and he ends up, you know, wanting to, wanting to leave. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. It's all very time loopy and and self-fulfilling prophecy like, um, but and what I find interesting is that, it, again, I'm pulling from another podcast, but this, I think Kane is like the perfect villain to follow up Thanos with. Mm-hmm. Because Thanos, we got nothing but order and um, power, order. Thanos was essentially a bully who did everything he could to acquire the Infinity Stones. So he could control the uh, control the universe in his own is in his own way. It was literally snap his fingers and then leave. Mm-hmm. He thought he was doing right by people. He was he thought he, his his logic was correct. Kane, on the other hand, is essentially the embodiment of pure chaos. Yeah. So we're going from Thanos, the bully who controls people, to Kane, the conqueror who sets off a multiversal war with himself yeah. and essentially just expands <laughs> this universe into 
God knows how many directions, infinite, infinite directions that we'll never literally never seen in to the MCM. Um, So I, I, I like where they're going with this of giving like polar opposites and Thanos and Kang. And all of a sudden Thanos seems like small potatoes. Like you thought he was bad. Check out this guy who literally knows everything that's going to happen at every point in time. Yeah. That's dangerous. Yeah. Especially, you know, uh, as we see at the end of the, uh, this episode that we know that there is a conqueror version Mm -hmm. of Kang that has that power because he's running TVA. Right. And there's no like timekeepers. He's not hiding behind anything. All the, all the agents this time know who they work for. <laughs> you yeah. know, it seems like that's the case. Um, so, yeah, I mean, after that fight scene, so if, after that fight scene, Sylvie just jams him <laughs> with her sword. <laughs> and that's it. That's it for he who remains. Um, I do I do wonder if part of his plan is to instill the the conqueror version of himself as the the head of the TVA to try that method to control the timelines like what if a what if it wasn't this more benevolent one that wants to get rid of the conquerors but what if the conqueror actually ran the TVA That's and interesting I wonder if that's some of the information that he sent to Renslayer via Miss Minutes and she hopped away before the TVA was mm-hmm. like basically reset. So she's out there somewhere with the knowledge to find, you know, either the Conqueror version of Kang or the He Who Remains version that she, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy again, where she like informs him of what happened to the last version of him and that changes his whole future. So that version never happens. Um, or, um, not or, the reason I think that is her last line to Mobius before she goes through the time door is like, I'm in search of free will. The only person that should have free will. There's only one person should have that should have three free will. Right. And that, mm-hmm. that sounded like a very conqueror thing <laughs> to say. It did. And <laughs> that's what you said is exactly what I was going to get at. Once we got really? the context of what Kane said, gotcha. of what he who remains said of, um of what can happen and so knowing renslayer she probably thinks in the same way he who remains does of there's going to be somebody that tries to kill me if they succeed this is going to happen you need to go find one version of me to and like turn them into this or at least plant the seeds to turn them into Mm -hmm. something right Or the reason he was able to <laughs> have all of the technology to harness like the power of Eliath is because Renslayer went back in time and created that branch that leads to he who remains. So that loop is always intact. That's very well true. That could very well be the case. Like well. it's a chicken and egg type thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, My head hurts. But obviously something went wrong because we see Loki go into a version of the TVA with a Kang statue. So right. Um, Kang the Conqueror, it looks like very much looks it's like it's presumed it has um, to be in, in this case. Um, yeah, I think and also a version of Mobius and B fifteen that don't recognize him. Yep. At all. Like they 
We know they they've proved Loki's agent. in the past, but they don't recognize him as Loki. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's interesting here because they ref- they keep referring to he in this scene. Like he wants it this way. He noticed 60 something branches just in the last week or something. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, that's meant to imply that along with the, the Kang statue that he's not hiding behind anything like this. He's not using a timekeeper's persona. He's he's just commanding them directly. What if somehow there was another branch we're unaware of where Kane the Conqueror himself was trying to expand the timeline? Like you have he who remains who is trying to keep the timeline intact, and then oh, like they're counteracting Kane the con- Conqueror trying to yeah trying to counteract. Oh, each that's other. interesting. And Loki just was pushed into the version that Kane where Kane exists. And that's oh, what's, like now, what's now th- causing... That TVA is creating variances. Yes. And Nexus events. Yeah. That's really that's really interesting. That's really interesting. That would be a fun... That'd be a fun plot line. <laughs> <laughs> as yeah. long as we get more Jonathan Majors, I'll, I'll take it. Yep. I mean, we know we're going to. Um, speaking of that, I'm, I'm really happy that we're getting season two of this me too Um, this i mean to be honest when we finished watching it i don't want to say i was disappointed because i definitely wasn't but something felt missing at the end of this one like it it felt like there wasn't full closure yes i think it was because of that little teaser we got right before the credits but Mm -hmm. even then with loki and sylvie like being split apart i still feel like we didn't get that closure exactly this felt like a mid-season finale rather than a regular mm-hmm. season finale. Yeah. And I think the closure that was missing, unlike WandaVision or unlike Falcon and the Winter Soldier, is something that can't be explored in someone else's property. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like I felt like we were lacking closure in WandaVision, but we knew we were getting Multiverse of Madness to mm-hmm. kind of wrap that up. Um. So with this, the closure needed is so inherently tied to this show that like if Loki showed up in Doctor Strange and some of that was resolved there, it just would have felt weird. Especially because a lot of the closure that we needed was related to character arcs and not really plot. (laughs) You know, like I I felt like the plot wrapped up like pretty nicely. I mean, for creating a massive multiversal war, (laughs) like the plot of this show wrapped up fairly nicely but yeah i think there's a ton they can still explore with sylvie because from her after she killed he remains like i got the sense that she felt extremely unfulfilled <laughs> like she yeah. did not look happy she looked defeated like oh no i i messed up i shouldn't have done this like well we had, we had i i didn't i've been hunting this my whole life and i finally did it and i do not feel better at all well we had just we had talked about that a little bit when our predictions were the Tainaloti theory that this is this would be a, a Loti that has like fulfilled his destiny and has nothing else, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think, I mean, we got that in Sylvie that she has now f- fulfilled her goal. Now what? But yeah. Instead of now what? I have to go find something else to do. It's now what? Oh, which I say yeah. shit or oh shit the like i just created parallel universes and multiverses and branch yeah. timelines and there's 
I made a huge mistake. <laughs> yeah. Well, it almost is like the parallel we are looking for with King Loki we got with Sylvie. Mm-hmm. Like, our Loki was so laser focused on ruling and, you know, mm-hmm. and that was his his primary goal throughout his life. And hers, because she was abducted at such a young age by the TVA, has always been to destroy whoever's behind the TVA. So to see her do that and look completely unfulfilled is a good exciting place to leave that character i think yeah and i i still think there's a lot more character work that they could do with our version of loki where mm-hmm. he's such a complicated character that they've just made even like more <laughs> more nuanced in this yeah of first telling him that he has no purpose other than to cause pain and suffering now when he tries to stop somebody from causing pain and suffering he gets stopped himself betrayed and he becomes betrayed then. So now it's not necessarily him going to make amends, but it's him coming to terms with what has happened essentially. And it seems like his character arc for this season of coming to love himself, even though it's, it's both figuratively and literally between him and (laughs) Sylvie. But I think, there's some more character growth that could be done in the sense of him wanting to try and redeem himself for what he's done. Well, definitely. And you can see um, during the conversation with he who remains, um, he who remains mentions some things they've done in their past. He was like, we're all villains here. like, we've done some pretty good and looks at Loki and like, or he says, we've done some pretty bad then looks at Loki and says pretty terrible <laughs> things in our lives. And like, don't you want to just at least do it for the right reason? You know? So, and Loki's face during that is pretty sunken in. And he, like he realizes. Tell. Yeah. Um, I do. I do want to cash uh, a partial receipt <laughs> for my, my blurb about Kang last week where I said, yeah, no, if they introduced Kang, it would, wouldn't it be interesting if we saw like the end of him? <laughs> yeah, like, I did. I did think more in terms of like, he's already out there and running around and working more backwards. And I definitely was thinking more along the lines of Kang, the conqueror and not really he who remains being a variant of Kang. Mm-hmm. But I still did mention like, what if we see the end of him that ends up being just the beginning? So just well, a little brag there. I mean, this is, I would argue, this is the real start of phase four of the MCU. Yeah. Because, uh, granted, what, well, what, was the, what was the order supposed to be before COVID? It was Black Widow and then Falcon and the Winter Soldier, right? And then WandaVision originally. It was something along those lines. Yeah. Then, well, we were supposed to get Multiverse of Madness before this. Oh, you're right. We were. I'm pretty sure. I I would imagine that was so early though that they would have shifted around a bit, um, to where this almost would have been like. I don't. I don't know how you could do that. <laughs> I I feel, yeah. I feel like this had to come before Multiverse of Madness. It didn't on the original schedule, but yeah, I think it, you're right. But would have had to. I. Just once Multiverse of Madness starts, it I think that takes away the weight of this show. Because there we just I'm assuming we're going to see like 
multiverses pop up or like Stephen Strange traveling through different multiverse or different aspects of the multiverse, but it's never going to be explained. Now mm-hmm. we get now we get the consequences to the actions of this show. Yep. Everybody else is now dealing with the fallout of what's happening because of Loki and Sylvie. Yeah. Instead of all this stuff happened and now we're going to get an explanation, which we know what it's going to build to, mm-hmm. you know? So yep. I think, I think <laughs> I always hate to say, I never like to say COVID is a good thing, <laughs> but no. I think, I think releasing, or I think the, um, the pushback production schedule and release dates really helped the show a lot. Yeah. And I, I think um, to be fair, they, they said Loki was like late spring of 2021 and mm-hmm. Dr. Strange was originally supposed to be March of 2021. So that, okay. I mean, all could have shifted. It was within a few months of each other. So, okay. You know, I, I would imagine they would have shifted something around anyways. Um, but not to mention uh, we were supposed to get no way home at this point last year. Yeah. So again assuming that's going to deal with multiverses in one way or another this is this would still be more of an explanation as to what was happening there yeah i think and i still will stand by this that this coming first then sets up what we're going to deal with the rest of the way through phase four right and i i used to have questions like i was like how are they going to do no way home before multiverse of madness because I had always assumed that, you know, all the multiverse shenanigans would be in that movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. But little did I know, here we are in the end of Loki and the multiverse was created and we've been introduced to Kang the Conqueror. <laughs> so um, what, one interesting thing to call out last week that, or from last week's episode is we saw the Kang Industries Tower. Oh yeah, this. Which is really interesting and telling now looking back at like the timelines that he who remains was pruning were timelines where kang you know his variants were running amok and running wild so we know that he pruned the the in the timeline where his variant went back in time and created kang industries <laughs> so obviously it would be in the void because it's one of the timelines he targeted um so where do you think we see Jonathan Majors next? Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantum Mania <laughs> is in 2023. Um, I forget the exact date, but we—I would imagine we see him before then in like a post-credit stinger, right? At like this probably point, because this has been released, we have to, and yeah. this this would make the the post-credit stinners a little more relevant as opposed to the thanos ones where they just were kind of sporadic or the cameos were kind of sporadic and didn't really make Mm -hmm. sense why they were always there that was always more we're just building to thanos yeah but now that we know kane exists he could pop up literally anywhere so i would say that i I actually go ahead i i think we'll get some version of him in multiverse of madness probably in a stinger i don't see him popping up in the actual movie i think that's a good bet 
I, I also, based on some of the teases we've gotten in the past Spider-Man movies about Stark Tower with Homecoming, um, you know, that's the tower was being sold in Homecoming. It's under construction and far from home. And I think in no way home that in the skyline, we're going to see King Industries. That's possible. I think we will. I think that's who bought Stark Tower. And I think that is kind of the way that we're introduced to him in um, and man lost Quantumania. This also shows us how we're going, how we can get the X-Men into the universe and how we can get the fantastic four into the universe. Mm -hmm. And I mean, after you and I watched it, one of the first things you said was, well, now we see how Deadpool's going to get in. Like it only made sense for him to make some joke about crossing over realities. Um, And now I want to see Deadpool, Deadpool kills the multiverse. (laughs) Yeah. happen um, now i want there is a there's an arc in the comics of so thanos in the comics is obsessed and loves the personification of death right yep. i now want to see the story of thanos trying to court death but deadpool is the one that actually courts her because so deadpool himself cannot die so he ends up getting into this love triangle between Thanos death and himself that I would absolutely love to see come to life. <laughs> That'd be amazing. <laughs> and amazing. It, it, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be Ryan Reynolds and Josh Brolin's first time working together either. <laughs> right. That'd be awesome. But just imagine we did Maybe, maybe we used hell as, as death. Yeah. So we get Thanos, Hela, and Deadpool together, it, and none of them can die. <laughs> so, that sounds wild. Or we have one that loves death and one that can't die. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I would, I'd love to see it. <laughs> and now I just want them to get weird with it. Yeah. Keep it all no, in canon, but like, but like, just go all out. Do whatever. Do whatever you want at this point. Like, the fans are on board. Um, yep. But I, I'm a, I'm I can't even begin to predict where Phase Four is going, other than what we've been talking about with Kang. And I just I'm. I mean, to me, it's there are two kind of through lines so far. Like we know that they're building towards some sort of like Thunderbolts, Dark Avengers arc. Um, it seems like they're building towards Young Avengers as well. Mm-hmm. Um. And then there's kind of the multiverse arc, right? And it seems like they're they're going to be there's going to be crossover between them, but you know, for the most part, certain properties are going to be more intertwined with one, certain with another. Um, but it's almost specific... as if the uh, it's almost as if the Young Avengers and Thunderbolts or Dark Avengers are going to be the more grounded, uh, yeah, the more grounded story as we got with the Captain America franchise. Mm-hmm. And some of the Iron Man stuff, and then the um, the multiverse will be more the quantum and cosmic right. entries we're going to get. Mm-hmm. Yeah, seems like it. Um, and specific to King Industries, I think my my kind of prediction is that we're going to see that version of Kang the Conqueror and Ant Man and the Wasp, and they basically will team up kind of with PIM Industries for some kind of project. And Scott <laughs> ends up working closely with 
Jonathan Majors, who's actually from the future, uh-huh. but like kind of is just like a cool science guy that he gets along with or something, you know, <laughs> like and then betrays him in the end because it turns out he's been Kang the whole time and just needed something from their like quantum tech. Um, that seems like a pretty natural way to to do it there. Um, I think we're going to just see a lot of different versions of Kang, though. Like, I wouldn't be surprised to see, um, you know, the Rama Tut version of him Pharaoh like like what if we see that in Eternals it's possible <laughs> like it's I, I mean possible I wouldn't I wouldn't rule it out um I think we're gonna see the Iron Lad version as well I wouldn't be surprised if that's Ironheart um maybe Ironheart maybe Quantum Mania yeah I think because um he wow. had a in the Young Avengers comic he has like kind of a romantic interest or romantic relationship with cassie lang oh you're right yeah so that would that would kind of be a natural natural fit but yeah who knows i i do expect him to pepper him throughout this um and i I just wonder how long their this arc's gonna stay up like is it a phase four thing is it beyond um you know i i think i've said in the past they're not going to build up to threats as long as they did with thanos anymore but I'll believe it when I see it. Because, I mean, <laughs> Kang seems like something worth building to now. Well, I mean, we've built to him, but we're di- I, we'll just get variations of him until mm-hmm. until it eventually culminates in possibly a Secret Wars type of uh, team-up. Yeah, for where sure. we get the actual new multiversal war. Yeah, definitely. That's I mean, that's almost a given that mm-hmm. that's going to happen. They've mentioned it so many times, and I think we're going to get a version that's not only going to be Kang's. <laughs> so, well, where where would you rank this as far oh. as MCU properties go? Well, this so, bird, this breaks my top ten as well this, as um, nice as, as Black Widow did. This definitely breaks the top ten for its yeah creativity for its um for some of its original ideas for the for the just the sure will to start talking about things like individual choice and free will that Mm -hmm. i wouldn't come to expect a marvel property to do um maybe in the eternals we'll get more of that but i would have to say this would sit probably at my number sit spot which is right between civil war and guardians 2 very nice do you want to uh run down your list really quick uh i'll just give you the top 13 then okay okay so at 13 i have iron man 3 at 12 i have avengers endgame at 11 i have black widow at 10 i have wandavision at 9 i have infinity war at 8 i have iron man 1 at seven, I have Guardians two. At six, I have Loki, season one. Uh, at five, I have Civil War. At four, Homecoming. Three, Black Panther. Two, Ragnarok. And one, Winter Soldier. Very nice. Yeah, I um, I loved, I love this season. I guess it's, it's weird. We're gonna have to figure out how we're gonna. Do we just adjust it in our rankings to account for the entire series? Do we add individual seasons? We'll have to figure that out. Yeah. Um, but I love this. I mean, I loved every minute of it. It was solid all the way through. 
provided a really cool mystery box and tons of discussion every week and really paid off on all the hints they were they were giving mm-hmm. right like and to, to have this surprise intro like quote unquote surprise introduction <laughs> at the end and you know make it not feel like a deus ex machina <laughs> and just something that came out of nowhere and to make it feel natural and have an actor that can really carry you through that was yeah, you, have a, you have a good point too that there that it didn't feel like a forced it didn't feel forced mm-hmm. Like this felt like the one of the most natural like integrations of a character that yeah. we haven't seen off screen. And I mean, we had talked about this a couple times that if they were going to introduce a new character, they had to do a lot of laid work to mm-hmm. make it happen. And I mean, they did the work. They did, yeah. And the part of why it's so satisfying is they built to it and they put natural hints through there that us and others picked up on and mm-hmm. started speculating on and then like it was just so satisfying to watch week to week um and you know the action was great the cgi was great the emotional beats were great um so i i have this um at my number three spot oh wow <laughs> this shot up my list early i i kind of adjusted it as it as it went on um but I couldn't justify moving it. I mean, I, I just thought it was brilliant start to finish. Like it, it was just smart in all the places it needed to be smart, emotional in all the places it needed to be and just incredibly enjoyable. Um, so my, my top 13, I have um, starting with 13 guardians of the galaxy volume two at 12 Spider-Man far from home at 11 captain America, the winter soldier at 10 Spider-Man homecoming at nine, WandaVision. At eight, The Avengers. At seven, Thor Ragnarok. At six, Black Panther. At five, Captain America Civil War. At four, Guardians of the Galaxy. At three, Loki. At two, Avengers Endgame. And at one, Avengers Infinity War. I still couldn't just bring myself to put anything up with Endgame and Infinity War, personally. <laughs> um. It, it's going to take Secret Wars to top that, probably. <laughs> well, thanks for thanks for being here with us through our our Loki reactions and reviews. It's been it's been a blast. <laughs> I had it's so much fun talking fun. about this every week. So and, thanks for speculating along with us. And I think uh, I think this would have been a good show to actually start off on, but I'm glad we kind of like worked out some of the changes on the podcast with Falcon the Winter Soldier and then yeah kind of like started hitting our stride a little bit more with this show definitely uh, we have what if coming up next yep we'll be taking a break next week but um, coming back strong afterwards with our what if preview mm-hmm. so as always thanks for joining us in this multiverse of madness that we are now a part of and Remember, for all time, always. 